This podcast was made in partnership with the Flues app. The Flues marketing team is open to working with small creator channels, and I have personally made more than $700 through Flues' cashback and referral programs in just a few weeks. Would you be interested in a paid collaboration with Flues? If so, step one, download the app via my referral code, GeoBreezeTravel, and get three vouchers to earn up to 35% cash back on merchants such as CVS, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and more. And then step two, send me an email at julia at geobreezetravel.com, letting me know that you would be interested in hosting a paid giveaway, and I will introduce you to the Flues marketing team. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. It's a saying we have in taxes is um, kids get fat, hogs get slaughtered, right? So, and, and that basically means like, hey, we want to, we want you to have the right house. We want you to enjoy, you know, tax savings, but the, it's the greedy ones, the ones who are being excessively greedy. Those are the ones who get caught, right? So again, I think that the, 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 the reason people get audited and they lose the audits is because they got too aggressive and wanted to do too much. And I always tell people like, we should legally pay the amount of money that we owe in taxes, but let's not leave a tip, okay? Let's not leave a tip. So that is that, that would be my, my advice to them. Hey there, Points people. You just heard a clip from Carter Cofield. Carter is a certified public accountant who is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs save money on taxes. He has spent years learning the best tax strategies so that he can teach them to entrepreneurs and business owners everywhere. He's also the owner of Cofield's Concepts, which is a financial literacy website teaching people how to make more money, pay less taxes, and be their own boss. In this episode, Carter and I discuss tax considerations if you're getting deeper into the points hobby. Are points taxable? What about bank bonuses? Will the IRS get mad at you if you use personal expenses to meet minimum spends on business credit cards? What are some of the tax write-offs that you can get by being in this hobby? Get excited to find out. Additionally, if you are a small business owner, one of the best cards to have is the Chase Inc. Business Unlimited. You will earn an easy 1.5x on all of your business expenses and pay no annual fee. Additionally, you can consolidate your Chase logins so that your Chase Inc. accounts are under the same login as your Chase Sapphire account. That way, the cashback introductory bonus that you earn on the Chase Inc. Business Unlimited and all of the other points that you earn on this card can be used as travel points when transferred to your Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve account. Remember, Never, ever, ever apply for a card through Google. Always use a friend or creator's links when you apply. Check out the link in the show notes if you are interested in learning more about the Chase Inc. Business Unlimited. And now, on with the show. Hey, Carter. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you being flexible, but here we are. Yes. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We have so many different questions about the taxability of points and miles and everybody who gets into this hobby because we have a lot of people being like, is this a scam? Am I going to get arrested or bad things going to happen to me from the IRS and other government bodies? Short answer is no, but Carter is going to give us the lowdown on what's going on there today. But before we jump into all of that, tell us a little bit about your background and how you became basically the most famous accountant on Instagram <laughs> and on the internet. 
Stop it. Stop it. So my name is Carter Cofield. I'm a CPA. I've been a CPA for almost 10 years. And I find taxes fun. So that's probably why I get the notoriety I get because I took this taboo, like scary topic and made it fun, understandable. And I get really excited helping people save on taxes because what most people don't know is that Americans' number one expense, at least Americans' number one expense is taxes. So if I can help you lower your number one expense, I can help you out a lot. Yes. And we are all looking for help with that because my tax bill is ridiculous. We'll just say that. It is gotcha. ridiculous. <laughs> when you have a high W-2, it's, there's no way around that. Did you know that middle income W-2 owners pay the most taxes? out of everybody in the United States. So, so W-2 earners that make between one dollars and $300,000 pay the most taxes out of anybody in America. Yep, I would believe that because I'm squarely <laughs> in that range and I feel like I pay more taxes than everyone else in America. So gotcha. we're going to talk about some ways to, to get around that today. So let's talk a little bit about points and miles and cash back. So when people are applying for all of the different cashback credit cards, points and miles credit cards, and they're earning all of these cool sign-up bonuses. Is that taxable? Is that going to come back to bite us at some point? Yeah. So Julie, this is an amazing conversation. And thank you for making me like do my research because I didn't know like how like intricate this topic was. But so I think it's best for your audience and us together to break it up between like business owners and then just W-2 people, right? Because they say the, the rules are very slightly. So let's start with W-2 earners, no business, and just straightforward. If you use, if you get points and use your points or, you know, redeem more cash, that income is not taxable, okay? Credit card rewards are not taxable for people with W-2 uh, earners. But there's a difference between credit card rewards and bank rewards. So let me break that down a little bit. If I go to a bank and I open up an account and they give me $100 for opening up an account, that money is taxable because I didn't have to spend any money in order to get that money. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like a lot of banks have these promotions. We open a bank account and you deposit a certain amount of money, and they give you a they give you a, you know a bonus. That is taxable because you're depositing money. Is you not? It's not the same as you spending money. So that money is taxable. However, if a credit card says, "Hey, if you spend a thousand dollars within the first three months, we'll give you five hundred dollars," that money is not taxable because you have to spend money in order to get those rewards. Makes sense. What if you are getting bonuses from referring other people to your credit card? Like, let's say I wanted to refer my husband to a credit card and then my credit card company is like, oh, we'll give you a $200 bonus or 20,000 points or something. Yeah, that's a great question. And to my knowledge, I have to do a little bit deep diving in this, but it was really unclear because as I mentioned to you before the call, this is one of the few places that the IRS, like they know it's a lot of like gray area and loopholes here, but the reward is not worth the cost of them digging into it. So they kind of just like say it's a gray area and then just kind of leave it alone. So to answer your question in that regard, that income, so if your credit card company say, hey, we'll give you $100 for every person you refer, that money is taxable because that's the same as an affiliate program. Like Julie, if I say like, hey, I want you to be an affiliate of my ebook, 
and I'm going to pay you out 50% commissions on anybody you refer. That's the same thing. That is affiliate revenue. But here's the thing. The IRS, well, the financial institutions will not send you a W-9 unless you make over $600, right? A lot of these credit cards cap your rewards out at $500. Did you, did you notice that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Chase, most of the yeah. time they'll, yeah. they'll send you like 20,000 points. It'll cap you at five. I mean, that's 100,000 points. So, I mean, that's more than $100, but... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think Chase has one with the freedom because they send me emails all the time, and they say you can refer. You get fifty dollars per referral, and you can refer up to ten people. That caps it out at five hundred dollars. And my, my, my like logical brain tells me they did that on purpose because they didn't want to have to go through the hassle of sending all these people ten ninety nines for the income that they receive. You know what I'm saying? Because like banks have to produce these reports. So if Chase lets you make over $1,000 or over $600 for this case, they would have to send everybody a 1099 and that costs them money. So I think it's the reason they cap it off at $500. So to answer your question, it is taxable, but guess what? The IRS is not going to know about it because they won't have any 1099 income to report it on. And that's why like you're limited to five in total for Amex cards mm-hmm. or five in total for Chase. So if you were, if you happen to max it out with every bank where you hit the five Chase referrals and the five Chase Amex referrals and City and everything else, there's still no way for the IRS to, to know about it because, because every bank each, would have to tell them. Each bank is a different institution. So the banks are only responsible to take care of themselves. So that's why that's why they cap it off. But to answer your question, like it's up to you to report it. It's technically taxable, but are they going to know? Nope, they won't know. So it's really up to you if you want to like play the scouts on the card, if that makes sense. Yeah. What about referral programs to other like apps and stuff? Like a lot of us play with cashback apps where every time you refer someone, like let's say for Rakuten is a shopping portal. Every time you refer somebody, you get $30. There is no cap to how many people you can refer. So you could be making thousands of dollars on referrals. Is that taxable? So the answer to that is yes. So and here's the thing. A lot of these answers are going to be yes, but the, the other question you need to ask is can they find out? So I'm going to give you, give you a perfect example, and I hope I don't take us on too much of a tangent. Like my sister does hair, right? And a lot of her cash and her business comes from like physical cash. So, you know, she asked me like, hey, is income taxable? I'm like, absolutely. She's like, well, how, you know, how would the IRS know about it? I said, well, if you don't deposit into a business account and you don't report it, they won't know. So the answer, is it taxable? Is a different question than is it, are they going to find out? So in your Rakuten example, yes, that income is taxable. My only question is, is Rakuten actually sending out these 1099? Because a lot of companies they're lazy, they don't want to do the work, and they don't end up sending it. So if I were your followers or your listeners, I would track that income myself just in case. But like, if, I don't, if they don't get a 1099, it's up to them if they want to report it or not. And I'm not giving any advice here. I'm just saying it's up to them if they so choose to report that income or not if they don't receive a 1099. Is it that way too? If you're paid out not in like cash commissions, if you're paid out in points, or they're paying you in Amazon gift cards, is that how does that yeah. work? So this is a great point, right? So the IRS views two things differently. If they're giving you 
points or they're giving you rewards or discounts. They view points and rewards as discounts, not income. So if they say, hey, we're going to give you 100,000 Marriott points or whatever for this for these referrals, and that 100,000 Marriott points takes your room from $1,000 down to 80 bucks, they just look, look at it as a $920 discount, not income. Oh, so back to the Chase and Amex examples, whenever you refer somebody, you get points. So that's Exactly. That's discount and you do not have to pay. So for any business owner, anything, you do not pay any income on points. Good to know. I'm sorry, you do not pay pay any taxes on points because points are not recognized as income. Good to know. And so with the Rakuten referrals, everybody take note. You can get those either as a cash or not cash, a check that's mailed to you every quarter, or you can get points into your Amex account. Choose the points. Exactly. It's a great example of knowing the implications of your of what you want, right? So if you have the option, I will always take points just so it doesn't get messy. Yeah. The points are also worth more than the cashback, guys. Like each Amex point, you can either get one cent or one point, and an Amex point is worth a lot more than one cent. So take the points. It's worth more to you. You don't have to worry about taxes. Just take the points. Is this why a lot of the cashback apps also give out just gift cards. Like here's some Amazon gift cards or Starbucks gift cards or something else that you can cash out rather than, or or even Visa gift cards, which are almost as liquid as cash, but you still don't have to pay taxes if you're getting cashed out in a Visa gift card. Yeah. So I think that's one of those things that I I honestly don't know the answer 100%. And I have no problem being honest because I don't know everything, but I wouldn't be surprised. Everything is about incentives when it comes to taxes. So if these companies are going out their way not to issue you actual money, I would assume there's a reason for that, right? Because again, these companies do not feel like paying people to populate all these 1099s. So they're willing to do anything they can to avoid that. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And also why some companies are like, oh, we would prefer not to issue Visa gift cards just for that gray area. Here's some Starbucks. Or exactly. Exactly. I know if you're restricted to only spend money at a certain place, I think that it automatically doesn't apply as income because you can't spend that anywhere you want to. So that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. That is good to know. And also, like whenever you have, like if you were to complain to a hotel or airline or something and they issue you points or something, you don't have to pay taxes on that. What if they issue you like a flight voucher and they're just like, here's some money into your account because it has to be with that airline, still not taxable. Yeah, it's not taxable because you have to, you're forced to spend that money there. And again, it's looked at as a, as a discount on your next flight. They don't look at it as income. Now, it gets a little murky when we talk about business owners. Are you ready to talk about them? Yeah, let's talk about business owners. How's it okay. different? So here's the thing. If you're a business owner, what I want to start with this. So if you're a business owner and you use your credit card for your business credit card for business expenses and you rack up points, again, the IRS looks at that as a discount, right? The IRS looks at that as, hey, hey, if they gave you 100 points, you, you know, instead of paying 500, you pay you know, 490 or whatever. They look at it as a discount. The only time that changes is when you try to use your business points to pay for business expenses. So here's a, a mistake I see a lot of business owners make. They use their business cards and have all these expenses and they rack up a lot of points. But then when they use those points to then pay for 
a business flight somewhere else, they don't get the write-off for that flight because they use the points for it instead of cash. So my recommendation for, for business owners are, are to you know, use your car to get the points, but then use your points for personal trips. Because if you use your points for business trips, you're going to be missing out on tax deduction opportunities. That is a really good tip. Because I always think about that too, whenever I'm booking my travel, because obviously I produce Instagram content. I'm like, oh, well, this should be like a business drive as a tax write-off. I'm producing content for like a brand collaboration or something, but I shouldn't be using points for it because I should instead like maybe just get the tax write-off against my gigantic tax bill. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's really hard for people like to, to, to wrap their minds around it because they're, they're like, well, I'm saving money on the flight because I have all these points. And it's like, yeah, but like if you need to reduce your income, then, you know, getting that extra expense can be helpful. And then when it's time for personal vacation time, you have all these points and you never spend any personal money. So it's a way to shift your personal expenses to your business expenses in in just a different way. If you are listening to this episode thinking, I want to travel like this, but I need step-by-step directions. One of the best ways to level up your travel game is by meeting with other points people. I give away a free one-on-one coaching call each week. The secret link to sign up is in my weekly newsletter, which goes out every Monday, and it's first come, first serve to grab the free call. Also, I host a masterclass and group coaching session each month. And if you would like to meet in person, I will be presenting at the ZorkFest conference in Las Vegas on December 17 and 18, which is all about travel and casino loyalty programs and perks. Hope to see you there. You can find links to sign up for the newsletter, monthly masterclass, ZorkFest, and Patreon, which gets you access to the masterclasses and also recordings of all past events in the show notes. This week's Patreon shout-out goes out to Veronica. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. Yeah, or if you're bringing your spouse with you or something on to like a business trip where you have no real reason to be expensing their flight to come with you, then maybe you pay for yours with money and then you can expense that as a business expense and then you pay for their flight with points since you weren't going to be able to expense it. That's a, that's a great point. But, you know, me being the CPA guru I, I am, I, w- I would encourage you to find a way that your spouse needs to be there. Like, you know, you're supposed to be in the business with you. You're supposed to be your assistant because I'm all about like bringing this whole household into like this tax savings journey. So, but to your point, if they have no reason to be there, then absolutely you can pay, use the points for their trip and just pay for yours with, with cash or card. So I'm sure a lot of people's ears perked up. How can they get their spouse or partner into the business? Like, for example, if people are trying to do what I do, where I produce Instagram content about points and miles and I'm traveling over the world, like producing content about that, what are some ideas for how somebody doing that would be able to loop their partner into the business so that it's a legit tax write-off when they come with? Got you. So just first and foremost, hiring your spouse in your business is so powerful for so many reasons, right? And I'm talking outside of tax reasons, just bringing you all together, like, you know, having more things to talk about, showing your kids, like, what it's like to be a boss and just inspiring them at a young age. I think there's so many reasons, but then there are amazing tax implications, like, you know, some of the things we're going to discuss. But how do you get the spouse into your business? It's very simple. Like, as long as your spouse does some work in the business. So like what I tell people is like, Think about what your spouse does well, if anything, right? Some people can't think of like anything their spouse does well, but that's ridiculous, right? So if your spouse is great 
at negotiation or your spouse is great at social media or your spouse is great at, at, at scheduling. Like there's so many things, small things that your spouse can do in your business to now become a part of your business, right? And once they become a part of your business, whether it's part-time or full-time, they can now indulge with you on these business trips, these educations, these seminars, whatever you're traveling for. And now you can legitimately deduct their expense for coming with you on your taxes as well. So count if you just have them that be your photographer, Instagram boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, again, like, so, like you just can hold a camera, right? <laughs> you know, like hold the video, babe. I can't produce this content without you. And they're paying me to come down here and produce content. So I need a videographer. Guess who's at home with me? Yeah. How about kids? What are some ways that you can incorporate kids? Can you hire them as Instagram models? Can you do something else to where you can hire them out too? Yeah, kids are kids are a little bit more complicated, but it's a great strategy as well. So the thing with kids is they have to be doing actual work in the business, just, just like your spouse, right? But with kids, it's more so the, their capability and capacity to actually do work in your business. So I wouldn't recommend hiring a kid that's less than, I'm sorry, that's younger than seven, because it's really hard to prove the IRS court that your kid was doing legit work in your business. Unless, like you said, Julia, they were a model and all they had to do was like wear your brand and take pictures. So your kids can like clean your desk or like, you know, shred papers or like, you know, like you said, do social media, depending how old they are, right? Kids with TikTok. But the, the age, my age threshold is like no younger than seven if you're going to hire your kids into your business. But they have to do, if they're doing legit work, then the same thing that applies to your spouse applies to your kids. So you can't hire your four-year-old as a model? So it, here's, even if you hire them as a model, like you only can pay them so much because you have to think, what is a reasonable salary for a four-year-old, right? So like it, it, all these things come into play. So I just think it's safe to like cap it at seven. What are your thoughts on that kid on YouTube who plays with toys and made like $20 million? Like, well, I mean, <laughs> so there's always outliers in everything. And again, like who's to say Mary Kate and Ashley weren't making hundreds of thousands of dollars when they were in movies at four, right? But like you're a kid, probably not, right? So let's just, you know, it's called, you know, let's 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 be smart, let's not be greedy. Yeah, that is a really good tip that we should talk in, that we should talk about. And like what kinds of things get people in trouble where they're like, I'm just going to write off everything, just everything. What, what kinds of behaviors are most likely to get people in trouble? Yeah, I think it's just like what you said, right? Being greedy. Like they, they, it's, it's a saying we have in taxes is pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Right. So, and, and that basically means like, Hey, we want to, we want you to have the write offs. We want you to enjoy, you know, tax savings, but it's the greedy ones, the ones who are being excessively greedy. Those are the ones who get caught, right? So again, I think that the the the, the reason people get audited and they lose the audits is because they got too aggressive and wanted to do too much. And I always tell people like, we should legally pay the amount of money that we owe in taxes, but let's not leave a tip, okay? Let's not leave a tip. So that is that that would be my my advice to them. So. Probably the most egregious example that I can think of people being greedy in the points and miles world. Are you ready? It's a complicated example. All right. There's this thing called manufactured spending where people will buy Visa gift cards to get all the points. They will take those Visa gift cards, turn them into money orders, and then shove the money orders back into their bank account. So, yeah, 
I see your face right now. For anybody listening to the podcast, the eyebrows were just like, you do what? <laughs> yeah. So some people did this to the tune of, I think, like, I might misquote the number, but I think it was $4 million over the course of two years where they, like, no actual money was being spent um, to earn these points because it's just kind of like this closed loop. They got audited and I think they're going to get taxed on it. But I have no idea, like, where, like, in which process that should be taxed because is it the buying the visa gift cards? Is it turning into the money orders? Is it depositing money orders into your bank account? First of all, anybody listening to this, it's just a don't do it, right? Like, don't I, mean, do I think like, the answer do is simply like, just don't do it. Like we don't have to analyze the tax implication on something you shouldn't be doing anyway. That's like, you know, it's coming out here and talking about if you sell drugs, but they don't find out about it, but then you have to report the income. Just don't do it. Right. There are a lot of tax strategies that are illegal, but you probably won't get caught. But like, I'm not going to preach on those because I don't want to teach my audience, just like you don't want to teach your audience anything that they shouldn't be doing and that you could be, you could somehow be found liable for giving advice to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's also why I don't talk about advanced manufacturer spending techniques very often because we have a lot of beginners who listen in to this podcast. And if you follow 80% of the directions and then you mess up the last 20% and you get all of your accounts shut down, I don't want that on my conscience, guys. Like, just don't do that. Just do legit things. So. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So smart. Yeah. All right. So what are some other good tax write-offs for somebody who's like, okay, I want to start a Points and Miles blog or a Points and Miles podcast, Instagram, something. What are some things that they should be considering from a tax standpoint if they wanted to go into the business side of this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just understanding the write-offs that you can get. Because I think the number one mistake I see business owners make is they just don't understand what they can write off. And for those of you all who don't even know what the word write-off really means, write-off and tax deduction are synonymous, right? So it's a basically a way to it's a, a way to use your expenses to lower your overall income. So I think just getting clear on what write-offs are specific to your industry, right? So you know I have a book, uh, Tax Free Living ebook that has like a list of you know, 200 plus deductions, but a lot of the stuff is industry, industry specific too. So if you're going to start a travel blog and, and use, you know, and use your points to travel to different hotels and blog about them, like you need to understand that that's a great business to start. If you, if you want to get a tax deduction for every single fight you're going to take. Right. And it's just like understanding what tax deduction it is and like what type of blog or vlog that you want to start in related in relation to credit cards that you can you know, get a tax deduction for things that you love to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Is there a revenue threshold that people need to be hitting before they can do these write-offs? Because if you started a blog, it didn't really make that much money, maybe like a couple hundred dollars in a year. And then you're trying to take all these write-offs against it for all of the cool hotels and flights that you took to write about on the blog that nobody read yet because you're just starting. What kind of flags is that going to trip up? That's a great question, Julia. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you two answers. So number one, in order to recognize these expenses or losses, all you have to do is make, your business has to make like money, not profit, but like make a dollar. So like if you had all these expenses and your blog didn't make any money, you can't write off any of these expenses until your blog makes like its first sale. Once your blog or channel makes its first amount of you know revenue, let's say you made $100, but you had 
$10,000 worth of expenses. You can expense all $10,000 so you have a $9,900 loss. Here's the thing. You can't have those losses three out of five years consecutively because then the IRS will look at your business as a, not a business as a hobby. It's called the hobby loss rule. So if you have three consecutive years of losses, they will shut your business down as a business and it'll be looked at as a hobby and you cannot deduct any more expenses. So to answer your question in short, all it takes is make, you know, business make a dollar, right? But if you lose money three years in a row, then you're not a business anymore. You have a hobby. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that's the main thing that like keeps a lot of people from like starting, like being official as a blogger. They're like, oh, I just kind of write as a hobby and I haven't made any money yet. So like, can I expense anything? Make one sale. You can find somebody and charge them $25 to have a points consult call. We have thousands of people who listen to this podcast. Like, just drop comments on my Instagram if you're like, hey, you can hire me and I charge like $10 because I really just want to like have some tax write offs. When this gets promoted <laughs> on Instagram, like, drop yourself in the comments if you, if you want to make money that way. All good. I love All it. Right. I love it. I love it. What are some things that when people are talking with their accountants, because I know some people are like, I asked my accountant about this and they said I can't write off tax write-offs. What are some of the things that give some accountants pause about any of this? So there's a quote that says, we fear what we don't understand, right? So I think a lot of the CPAs that are I call them no men. They just like say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. They're only saying that because they don't understand it. And they're not willing to spend the time learning about these different tax strategies. So therefore, they're going to shut it down at the door. And it's unfortunate. I see it a lot. Like I see a lot of, especially like older CPAs, they don't have the time or have the care or want to continue studying new tax law. So they just tell clients they, they can't. So I would tell people that one, they need to find a new CPA immediately. And two, if they want a resource where they can find it, check out my Instagram, link in my bio. I actually have a tax-free living mentorship where I, you, know, you get my curriculum, I mentor you, and I give you a list of vetted CPAs that I know and trust that won't tell you no when you bring up tax strategies. Excellent. Yeah, I think I have one of those no men who... <laughs> He's like, I have 30 years of experience. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. You know how many times the tax code changed in those 30 years? You know how many times he's not, he's tired of having to learn new stuff? Like, Also, just like explaining how people on the internet make money. Um, it doesn't make sense hard. to them. It doesn't make sense to them at all. It's crazy. How I make money does not make sense to anyone. I'm like, okay, so there's like these coaching fees, but there's also like a Patreon, but there's also like these affiliate links when I sell credit cards, but also I donate all of it to charity. So like, <laughs> I'm like, so what's my tax thing, you guys? Yeah. And he's just like, uh... my God, hates me. Also, because I tend to use my credit cards for like business and personal stuff sometimes to optimize points. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is that just like the worst practice ever that That's I'm using the, my business? I, I would be upset. I would be upset because I mean, again, like here's the thing. I would, I'm going to charge you to make you stop doing that. Because if I have to sift through, you're going to pay somebody on my team to sift through, and I'm going to make sure you pay me for that extra time. So, like, it's up to you, but like, you're going to get charged for, and that that charge might outweigh what you consider is beneficial for doing those cards. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because because what could happen, and I want to like 
you know, talk about the worst case scenario, but if you do that, that's called commingling funds, right? And if you were to get sued by somebody in your business, like for some litigation issue, let's say somebody, listener said, hey, you gave me bad advice. And the court saw that you were mixing your funds like that, they could dissolve your entity and that person can sue you personally. So for those reasons, I don't think it's worth it. Mm, all right. Good point. Even if I, <laughs> even if I am separating my like business and personal stuff too, because everybody out there right now is just like, I have a Chase Inc. business cash. I go to Staples and I buy 5X Visa gift cards for, for no fee. And then, you know, maybe you use them for personal things. Maybe you use them for business things. I used to use them to pay my podcast editor. But first of all, guys, that was not worth the time to like shove a new business card into Fiverr every time, like value your time. But also... Yeah, we're all about the Staples 5X Visa gift cards and the funds have been commingled. All points, points and miles people have been commingled. And whenever people are like, can I use my business cards for personal expenses? I tell them, Chase won't get mad at you. Your accountant probably will. That's a, that's a perfect, that's a perfect explanation. I love that. I love that. I love that. So when somebody is shopping for a CPA, is there a good time of year when someone's like, I need help? I not tax time. The worst time to reach out to a CPA, and which is what nine what ninety percent of people do, they reach out to them in between January and April. Do you know how busy CPA CPAs are between January and April? So I recommend reaching out to somebody like right now. I mean, I don't know when you're releasing the episode, but like October, November before they gear up is a great time. Do not reach out to CPAs in January, February, and get mad when they don't answer the phone because they're busy. Yeah. Definitely don't reach out on like April 13. That's not happening. Phones off. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because that's also tax planning season, right? So you can plan for how to structure your stuff in the next year. Your CPA will tell you things like, hey, stop commingling your funds. And you're like, oh, but the 5X points. And they're like, yeah, not worth it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so, all right. That's the official advice that I'll play back to myself later on when I'm like, oh, stapled sale. But yeah. You want to be like legit business girl. Don't do that. You're right. Now. Uh, you got it. You got it. You got it. All right. Cool. Any other things that we should consider if you're looking to become a points and miles business person or just anything from taxes in general from the points and miles world? I mean, I think we covered everything. I think we actually gave people a lot of information. They got to replay this again and hear back. But that's why they have it on the podcast. It's, you know, I think we covered everything that people need to know from a you know, a rewards point system. And guys, just overall, be smart, not greedy. Yes. Don't be greedy. Don't do fraud. I know. Yeah. I'm sure this happens to you all the time too, Carter, because people come to me and in my DMs basically asking, how do I commit low-key financial fraud? And I'm like, don't. They're like, how do I like scam credit cards? So for anybody who we're recording this in like early October, for anybody who didn't know, there's like the Amex scramble going on right now. Amex accounts are being shut down left and right because apparently there was a go-to guy in Amex that people would go to to like bypass certain Amex laws and now a whole bunch of accounts are being shut down. Don't do not do that. And I feel bad for like legit accounts that this guy opened who are, those accounts are getting shut down too. But basically like don't approach this hobby with the goal of like, how do I commit low-key financial fraud? Yeah. I, I don't think that it's crazy that we even have to say that, but I guess that's just don't do it. Like, it's very simple. Like, just don't do it. I think people hear the words travel hacking and they're like, oh, like, we're going to learn about 
the secret underworld of like the financial institutions. No, just points and miles for the money that you're going to spend. And like, we have different strategies for how to allocate your points miles and like how to time your credit card openings and everything like that. But please guys don't approach this hobby with the thought of how am I going to commit low key financial fraud? I'm sure Carter people approach you for that with like, with taxes. Nope, I, I don't, too. I don't, I ignore it. I don't see it. You're just like, Oh, there's a wall. There's a wall yeah, for people being like, Hey man, how do I commit tax evasion? And you're like, what? zero tolerance, <laughs> zero tolerance. All of them. Well, I think we mentioned also that you have a tax-free living ebook and then some courses too, which I have that ebook, guys. It's so good. And yeah, yeah. I, I think, especially for your audience, right? I think the tax-free living ebook is a great start. And I'll actually get you a link to add into the show notes as an affiliate, right? Uh, that's yeah. what we're all about, the affiliate revenue. So I think, again, it's a great place for people to start and just understand the ins and outs of tax write-offs and tax savings. So I think that'd be a great resource to your audience. Yes. Awesome. Where else can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so just Cofield underscore advisor on Instagram. And, you know, all my stuff is there. Link in my bio, so all my other resources, free free guides and things like that. And then, I, you know, I'd love to have, you know, followers and give us some game. Yes, there is. There is so much free game on this Instagram. It's one of my favorite ones to follow because I think it's a natural progression. If you're like, oh, how do I, like, learn how to strategically use credit cards? Learning how to be strategic and intentional with your taxes without breaking laws. Don't don't do fraudulent things. But just knowing how to be intentional with money, credit cards, taxes, it can be such a game changer for your life. Because like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's the largest expense for Americans. Thanks, Carter, so much for coming on to the GeoBridge Travel Podcast. We learned so much from you today. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to talking to the audience more. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too. So please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly Masterclass Hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com slash hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels.